clear of the closing doors, please. Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for joining us on SST, and Apple Podcasts app, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate you for checking in. If you've been checking in all year, you may be thinking how great we've been doing on our picks. Well, unfortunately, we're here today for the second week in a row, under 500. We had a fantastic run, but the entire season above 500, all for naught as the playoffs and the end of December kind of came back and brought us to earth a little bit, but we sit here today, 108, 110, and two. A very you know, salvageable record, a proud record, nothing to be ashamed of. However, we have some work to do with Pat Boyle, Cody O'Connor, myself, and Mark Shen Lugan. We don't like being another 500. We got some games left to pick. We have the Super Bowl left to make things happen. And here with me today, as they've been all season and will be on Super Bowl week as well, we got Pat Boyle, Cody O'Connor, and Mark Shen Lugan ducking smoke again. But Pat Boyle, what's up, brother? Me and you, one and two, with very similar picks and just could not get over that hump, brother. You had to know that when we both had the family picks of Texas <sighs> plus nine and a half, Niners minus nine and a half, that was time to take your money and immediately... Put it on the opposite, right? I mean, it's just that the family plays. They don't, I don't know what, they don't work. Anytime one of us does a play for these last two weeks, and there's mm-hmm. not many picks left, for, mm-hmm. going forward in the future too, anytime one of us makes a play and you have that on your sheet and you go, shit, I got the same exact pick, just pick the opposite. Pick mm. the opposite. And Cody, twirling his evil mustache last week, of course, <laughs> guy goes 3-0. and you know, so it, it, it's whatever. You know, I felt like an absolute genius, though, I will say that, on my third pick, which was, what was my third pick? Oh, Chiefs the teaser. The, 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 the squarest teaser in the world that, like, 19 million other people probably had over the weekend. Detroit, mm-hmm. basically, money line and Chiefs plus eight and a half. Um, yeah, I felt like a genius about it. So, look, we move on. 27 and 33. Promised you guys I was finish, going to finish above 500, so... It's 3-0 this week. It's 3-0 with a plus play next week. How you doing? There we go. We still love the confidence out here. And, Pat, I got to say this. I feel like both of us had that feeling that one of those games would be close between the Texans and Ravens, Niners and Packers. And we were on the wrong side of that. However, Cody O'Connor was on the right side of that. 3-0 in first place in the SST picks pool right now, Cody. How are you feeling? Do you feel alive again? Yeah, I don't know that anyone needed a bounce back like I needed one mm. last week. It wasn't just the 0-3 on the podcast. It was like every pick I was making. It was a beautiful slate on a Martin Luther King Monday with two NFL games, NHL early, NBA all day, and I lost everything. And then I didn't hit a bet until Friday. <laughs> all right, let's be transparent here. But I got a huge bounce back, huge weekend, um, kept the futures alive, and uh like I said, I needed it. And Pat, you're right. You were a genius on that teaser with KC plus eight and a half and Detroit on the money line, essentially. That was a really, really smart pick by you. Um, and anybody else who took that right along with you, really, really smart. Good job, Cody. And maybe we should have joined you on your place. Clearly, we should have. You were 3-0 and as Pat and I joined uh, for our demise with our two picks that were exactly the same. And, you know, the Lions covered their spread out right. Obviously, the Chiefs covered their spread out right. Uh, unfortunately, Cody is the only one who could say that his other picks covered out right, which is good for him, bad for us. But now we sit here with a true leader in town. Uh, Cody O'Connor is number one. I am number two. Mark Lugan still edging out. Pat, I believe now by just one leg, or maybe two legs, actually, to be specific. Uh, but again, 108, 110, and two, and ready to go. And as Pat mentioned before, I'll give a little teaser to everybody listening for the Super Bowl week picks, we've come to a decision here on Subway Sports Talk that our strategy for so uh, for the Super Bowl is to allow plus odd plays for a multitude of wins. For example, right now we keep all of our plays at a minimum of minus 120, and we'll allow a 121, 122 here and there, but we're shooting for minus 120 to even. Obviously, if you're plus 105, knock yourself out. That's what we've done all year. So whether it's a teaser, a player prop, a straight bet, anything in between. If it's minus 120 or less, you are in. That counts as a pick in the Subway Sports Talk pod. For the Super Bowl week, to allow some even play, to allow all of ourselves to make up lost time, we are giving each of us the opportunity 
to play plus odd maneuvers. So if your play is plus 200, plus 220, plus 240, that will then count as two wins. You put one unit on it, but it's plus 200, two wins. So for example, Pat Boyle, 27 and 33, if he decides to go for a plus 300 play and hits, that'll count as three wins. If he loses, it only counts as one loss because it's a one unit play at plus 300. So again, we're staying true to the odds. That's what we do. We're not doing anything crazy. We're not giving people bonus points. You have to earn those wins, but that's something we plan to do for Super Bowl week is obviously the props of Super Bowl are where it's all at. We'll probably have a whole episode breaking down all of our favorite plays, our player props, our Super Bowl friendly, uh, et cetera, props, if you will, just game props. Maybe that'll get brought into play. I'm sure Mark Lugan will parlay uh, heads with the over on the national anthem alongside the Gatorade at plus 750 and let it ride. And maybe he'll win the damn thing. I guess we'll find out on Super Bowl week. But again, plus 300 to plus, I'll say we'll round up at 375, uh, 75. So if you hit a 380, we'll give four. We're generous. It's a, it's a season of giving, but that's the plan for Super Bowl week. If you want to get frisky and go plus 1,000, knock yourself out. You might win the damn thing. You might fall on your face. So I look forward to that Super Bowl pick day uh, uh, in two weeks because obviously we have the week off for the Pro Bowl. We won't be doing picks pod for the Pro Bowl. Uh, but before we get to our picks here for the conference championship with Pat Boyle and Cody O'Connor, I have one question for you guys, and it's kind of regarding the conversation I had with myself on the podcast earlier this week. So I want to ask you guys about this Knicks situation and all the trade targets and trade rumors that are going around this Knicks organization. To me, Cody and Pat, there are two buckets that exist for Knicks fans right now. Bucket A is a fan who believes the Knicks are good but have holes, and it's worth taking that big swing and landing a big star to make that push right freaking now. That would include DeJounte Murray as one of those quote-unquote star players. Bucket B is taking a calculated risk, probably with a higher floor, maybe not as high of a ceiling, like a Malcolm Brogdon, Bruce Brown, Jordan Clarkson, and not giving up as much assets, but still trying to put themselves in a better position. Which side, Pat, do you think Knicks fans should be in here Bucket A, go for it now. Bucket B, stay patient, take calculated risks. Well, assuming bucket A, the really only option that is out there is DeJounte Murray. I think any other realistic trade target for the Knicks would be in bucket B. And for somebody that's a diehard Knicks fan that has sat through 20 years of torture, I got to say it's bucket B, right? DeJounte Murray coming to this team feels like on paper it's great, but that offense, the way they would run that offense, would need time to gel, and time is really the only thing they don't have right now. Maybe next year, maybe two years from now, a full season, two full seasons, if he stays a Nick, sure. But for now, they have two months before the playoffs start here. That is, there's no way, in my opinion, that offense would be able to gel quickly with Jalen Brunson, DeJounte Murray, Julius Randle, all the ball handlers that they have in time for the playoffs to, to make a legitimate run, to beat the Boston Celtics, to beat the Milwaukee Bucks, to beat the Philadelphia 70. Not putting the Sixers in that conversation. To beat the Bucks or the Celtics. So I would love to see Malcolm Brogdon, Bucket B. I think the Knicks can get marginally better and still have a chance to make a run at the Eastern Conference Finals. Once you get there, anything's possible. And so, yes, make a run at the NBA Finals this year. They need point guard depth because when Jalen Brunson missed those two games with the calf contusion, we saw how, you know, in a mess this offense was without JB. So all they need is a guy that can run the offense with the second unit so the Knicks don't get beat up by the opposing team's bench. I want Bucket B get marginally better, and then take your swing either this offseason or next offseason. I've been trusting this process here for the last couple of years. Let Leon cook. I think the Knicks should go out and get Brogdon, but I'm in for uh, bucket B here. Get marginally better, and I still think they have a chance to make a run. Cody, I ask you the same question, bucket A or bucket B? No, I, I agree with Pat. I think it's bucket B. Um, I think it's for the simple fact that you're going to have to give up a lot for DeJounte Murray, and I don't think it gets you over the hump, which is the Boston Celtics. They are the juggernaut in the East to me. They're the measuring stick for the NBA. Um, yeah, I like DeJounte's game. 
I think he's a fringe all-star level type of a player, um, but I don't love what I've seen out of him defensively this year. And I, I think you thought too that Quinn Snyder could get more out of this team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They were a team that had at least playoff aspirations. And uh, like I said a couple weeks ago, they're now looking to sell pieces, obviously, which is why we're talking about Murray as a part of that trade. Malcolm Brogdon would be a nice fit so long as he stays healthy. I really like that um, addition. I also like Bruce Brown as a possible addition, a guy who has a playoff resume, won a championship with the Nuggets last year. Anyone in the area who watched him play with Brooklyn knows that guy is not afraid of the moment. He'll take the big shots. He's not afraid to, you know, he could run an offense for you. He is a scrappy player, um, and he fits right in the mold of the New York Knicks. I think he would be a great addition along with the Malcolm Brogdon. So I like the idea of getting marginally better. They are a team that um, clearly has a shot in the East to make some noise to maybe make it out of the second round and and give Boston or uh, Milwaukee a run for their money. But uh, I'm in the same um, – boat as you pat i think it's bucket b i think Dejounte just doesn't add quite enough and you have to give up too much and then you're risking the potential future of a team that um trajectory has just been upwards of the last couple of years so keep that going stay with that train stay patient like you said i like bucket b i did a whole podcast that came out on wednesday describing exactly why i'm also on bucket b um Dejounte murray is a good player He's a very good player, you can argue. But the cost-benefit analysis, which I referred to probably four or five times in that podcast, it's just not good enough of a chance to put them over a hump to give up the assets that you'd have to give, along with the obvious issues they've had in Atlanta, making it a little bit more sketchy to see a seamless fit in New York. And you make the argument, oh, well, Tibbs is a more defensive-minded coach. He brings back the defense. Yeah, well, I'm a little concerned that DeJounte Murray likes getting his shots off nowadays. I'm a little concerned that he wants to be that all-star again, and we know for damn sure he ain't coming here to be a bench player. You don't want to be a six-man of the year. You know DeJounte Murray wants to be an all-star again, and I don't think that's what's on the table for him here in New York and trading for him. Even if you expect to be able to trade him again down the road, you're trading for him, committing assets, and committing four years of his extension that's around $28 million per year uh, over the next four years. So I agree with you guys. My target is Malcolm Brogdon. And obviously we talked about him, not going to go deep into it. You can go check out my entire 45 minutes of thoughts individually deep diving on Murray, Clarkson, Brown, and Brogdon. And I just got to say this before we get to our NFL picks. I wish Clarkson wasn't on a team led by Danny H. Because I think Clarkson's a great fit. I think he's a perfect piece for this need that the Knicks have so much, which is the secondary playmaker scoring off the bench, willing to play off the bench. Like it fits so damn good, but Leon Rose, Danny Ainge, two stubborn sons of bitches who do not want to lose a trade. I can't fathom a trade that makes sense that Danny Ainge will agree to. And Leon Rose will agree to without someone getting fleeced. And we haven't seen Ainge get fleeced many times before. We haven't seen Rose get fleeced just yet, but we have not seen Ainge do it over a long, long time. So that's my hesitation with Clarkson, despite me loving the fit. So Brogdon, we'll see. We'll see if Brogdon ends up in New York. You got to imagine Portland doesn't need him around. All right. Good stuff. Thanks for your thoughts on that, guys. I'll see you later. Bye. Just kidding. We're here for picks. Duh. It's the conference championship here in the NFL. We got picks. Obviously, we only got two games to choose from. We're still doing three picks which means it's going to get a little bit frisky, people. There might be some over-unders. There might be some player props. There'll be some spreads, maybe a teaser. Who's to say? Who's to say? Does anybody have the gall, the guttural fortitude to step up to the plate conference championship week and give us pick number one? Wow. Silence. I think I got Patty it. Boyles. Right? Wait, Pat, hold on. Pat, Cody, before you go, Patty Boyle is in his game time outfit right now. He's got the rock sweater with the chain hanging low, and he's not going to step up to plate number one. I know whose picks I'm fading this week. It's not a matter of letting the letting the confidence fly here. I'm not a shoot first kind of guy. My teammates, I trust them, so I'm willing to dish the rock, and then when the shot clock's down at three, I'm going to fucking let it rip. I love it. I love it. Thank you. Go ahead, Code. Ready to go. Let's do it. Let's let it rip then. You know what, Pat? You got your 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 picks in the chat, 
And uh, I think you'll be happy to know that we are not on the same side. And in some way, we're almost like complete opposites. Um, and I won't talk too much about your third pick, but my first pick, I have to ride the train that I've been on. And it's the Baltimore Ravens. And I'm not going to go straight up because four does scare me just a little bit. Giving Mahomes four points feels insane. It was at three and a half, down to three. Now it's up to four, which means money is coming in on Baltimore. We know by Sunday that might shift a little bit more. Um, so I'm going to play it safe and go money line, and I'm going to pair it with Lamar Jackson's alternate rushing yards at 50-plus. Pete, you said it. There's only two games to pick from. Got to get a little bit frisky. This is one of those picks where I'm going to get frisky. Um, but Baltimore has been, to me, the most complete team all season. Uh, right alongside maybe the San Francisco 49ers. But when you add in the fact that Lamar Jackson is the MVP of the league and probably a little bit more trusted league-wide than a Brock Purdy, I take my money on Baltimore being the most full, well-rounded, complete team. And they're getting Mark Andrews back. Seems like he's pretty healthy. It feels like they held him out last week, one last week, to get him fully healthy or closer to it. Um and I just love the way they've played defense. Uh, the Chiefs haven't seen a defense like this in the last two weeks. Miami sure is hell ain't it. And with the, all the injuries on the Bills' defensive side of the ball, they are not this type of a level of defense. All pros everywhere. One of the best te- uh, defenses in the last decade or so. First in takeaways, first in yards per game, first in uh, points allowed this year. And there's no reason that train's not going to keep rolling. They did it last week without Marlon Humphrey. They were one of the first teams that I saw really make C.J. Stroud look uncomfortable and look somewhat, at least, like a rookie. Um, And we haven't seen that out of him almost all season. And that's what Baltimore's defense can do to you. Um, For Lamar's rushing yards, why am I going there? I just think they ramp him up a little bit more in the playoffs. They have a few more designed runs for him. He ran for 100 last week against the Texans. Um, Yeah, the Chiefs are probably going to scheme for it. I'm sure they'll have a spy, but Lamar's the type of guy that a spy just doesn't always matter. He's so fast. He's so elusive in the open field. And again, I think they're going to use more design runs. Gus Edwards was banged up last week, so he might not have the full workload. And Lamar's your MVP. You want to get to the Super Bowl, I think it's on his shoulders. And in this case, it's in on his legs. So um, Baltimore, just a little bit more complete. Uh, I, this is tough, man, because I know Bill Simmons has his his manifesto, right, Pete, where he, he talks about mm-hmm. things you should not do when it comes to betting and, and betting in the playoffs. And if I had a rule number one, I promise you it would probably be don't bet against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. I've said it all year how much – respect and admiration I have for those guys. They cashed my last preseason future last week by getting to the AFC championship game. They are a tough team, man, by no means. So I think this is an easy pick, probably why I shied away from minus four, but I trust the totality of the Ravens offensive defensive unit, Lamar Jackson, the MVP to kind of get a little bit of that monkey off his back, get to the Super Bowl, And I think get that playoff choking conversation and narrative all but taken away. So Ravens money line, uh, Lamar 50-plus rushing yards. That's now minus 120. It was minus 110 earlier. Maybe I'm on the sharp side. Pick one. Pick one for me, Chiefs plus four. Simple as that. Patrick Mahomes, 9-1-1 one, and one against the spread as a dog. 8-3 and three straight up on the money line in the regular season and the playoffs. Everything on paper. Tells you to bet the Ravens. What are the Chiefs? What have the Chiefs done well, especially with uh, earlier in the year when they couldn't catch a goddamn pass? Run the football. What do the Ravens do better than anybody in the NFL? Stop the run. What do the Ravens do? They run the football. How do you beat the Chiefs? You run the ball because they've defended the pass. Their secondary has been incredible this year. Do the Chiefs have the the linebackers capable of stopping pa- of Lamar Jackson? No. Not really anybody does, but Nick Bolton is their best chance. You know, depending on them, they're going to have to have some nickel corners probably. Trent McDuffie's probably going to have to be a spy at some point. The game plan that Steve Spagnuolo, though, I trust. The aura and the winning and the championships of Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, I trust. Travis Kelsey, as washed as he looked for the last nine weeks, what did he do on Sunday? Two touchdowns, I 
trust in possibly what could be his last game. And yes, the Ravens, Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith, two absolute hound dogs that honestly, I don't think you could pay me $10,000 to run the football one time without pads into them. I don't think you could pay me ten grand to do that. Dogs, dudes, Isaiah Pacheco, how hard he runs the football. And that Kansas City offensive line, run blocking, I trust. Now, injury report, one thing. Joe Tooney, their left guard, all pro, doubtful to play, but he's doing every single thing he can to try to play. He's got a big peck injury, big titty injury, if you will. Um, That would be a big loss. And I I can understand if one offensive lineman scares you away here because it's their best one. It's their all-pro left guard who they run the football through a lot. That being said, you know, everything that I've said so far, logic, paper, tells you to bet the Ravens. This is an emotional bet for me. I'm going to tell you that straight up here. But it's one that the last six years, with the exception of Joe Burrow, you would be right in making. Or at least the last five. I think they actually covered against the Patriots. I forget. In 2018. But that being said, the Ravens have been phenomenal. They're at home. Lamar has played like an MVP. He passed the test last week against C.J. Stroud. I'm not betting against Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey in the AFC Championship game. I've seen it too many times. And look, this offense did look terrible. Bills have a pretty damn good defense. Chiefs played arguably their best offensive performance in the last two and a half months, maybe of all season, against the Bills last week on the road. So what tells you that this offense can't perform at that same rate again here? I know Baltimore has been great. I know Kyle Hamilton is an absolute fucking stud, Notre Dame guy. I've loved watching him destroy people and then make big plays all year. Matabuike on the defensive line. Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen, like I mentioned, they've been great. And Marlon Humphrey, they're getting good news on him as well, which would help in terms of covering Rashi Rice. But Chiefs plus four, you've given Patrick Mahomes four points. I will take that and run with it any day of the week. Give me KC plus four. And here's the point where I come in and either side on the Cody O'Connor side or the Pat Boyle side. And there's a chance we have a family play, and we know how poorly that went last week. And I said two weeks in a row now, if I'm going to go down swinging, I'm going down swinging with Patrick Mahomes. But sometimes you got to throw out the record books. The Ravens. Lamar Jackson. Plus four? Nah. Minus four. Baltimore Ravens minus four. That's my first pick. I'm riding with it. And I think the big thing people are missing when they're talking about Lamar, they're talking about this Ravens team and how he didn't even have to stay in the pocket to beat the Texans. He did the things that he does all regular season. That's not really what he has to do in the playoffs. Well, he didn't have to, to beat the Texans. They were up big. Odell Beckham had one target. Their leading receiver had 40 yards. They didn't have to do all that stuff. But the thing that people are missing the most about this Ravens team is not what can Lamar Jackson do or what he can't do, is that this defense for Baltimore is not just a good defense in the NFL. This is an all-time level defense from their analytical standpoint. It's not hyperbole, people. It may not jump off the screen like it did back with Ray Lewis and T-Sizzle. It may not be the Bears from 85. It may not even be the defensive line of the almighty Giants we know and love from their two Super Bowl runs. But this Baltimore Ravens defense has been phenomenal the entire year. They have a way of putting pressure on quarterbacks. They have a way of turning the ball over. And we all know blitzing Patrick Mahomes is not the only is not the way to success. In fact, he's like the worst person to blitz all the time. He beats the blitz more than anybody. Well, what the Baltimore Ravens do with the simulated pressures and what they can accomplish with their defensive backs, even with Marlon Humphrey still in the air about if he's going to play or not, this Ravens defense has been on another level. So when I heard during the weekend after the Ravens win and all week long that, you know, we still got to see what Lamar does when pressure comes in his face and the pressure cooker gets a little bit more intense for him in the playoffs. I'm not as worried about Lamar Jackson, what he's going to do, because I think we're still underrating what the Ravens defense is going to do. 
And part of this spread that scares me is, is Patrick Mahomes as an underdog getting those points. You can very much imagine a game that's going to be very damn close. And that's why it does scare me. I'm not going to sit here and say it's not a hard pick to make. Of course it's a hard pick to make. It's the conference freaking championship. It's two of the best quarterbacks we have in the league. But when that spread opened at three and a half and now it's four, my God. Everything that I felt all year about the Ravens, everything that I felt about the Ravens going into this week, I have to push forward. I have to double down on it. I have to go with the Ravens minus four, even if it feels insane to take a, a bet against Patrick Mahomes, against Andy Reid, against this Chiefs team. They had their best game on offense for the entire year last year, or last week. But this offense has had struggles. And I think for as good as the Bills defense has played with all their injuries, they're not sniffing what the Ravens have accomplished on defense this year. Ravens minus four, that'll be my first pick. Two against one, Patty B. We'll see what happens, man. It's tough. Odds have been stacked against me my whole life, Cody. You think I'm scared (laughs) of you guys? (laughs) We grew up together. I know that's not true. (laughs) Uh, All right, we got to move on to the (laughs) NFC side of the ball. (laughs) Oh, man. You got to get uncomfortable, Pete, and I'm going to do it again here. Maybe maybe this is my emotion because it's the future that I've got. It's what I said on the podcast before the playoffs started, and I took the ticket with it. But Detroit is getting seven and a half points in the conference championship game, and that's the side I'm backing. Detroit plus seven and a half. I'm getting the hook and the touchdown. Feels like too many points, man. Now, look, San Fran's the type of team that if they get up and they play an A game, yeah, they, they can run you down. They can run all over you, and they can make you look silly, and they can make this pick look silly. And I think they're the right team to put at 7.5. I understand why the spread is there. I don't think it's crazy. I don't think it's way too high. I think maybe it's a point or so too high. But I know that San Fran has that ability. But they have that ability mostly in the regular season. That game they played against Green Bay, they were very, very lucky to walk out of there with a win. Uh, Jordan Love, who had been mostly fantastic all night and and all season, and he's going to get paid like it, made a couple late mistakes. He threw a very Brett Favre-esque across his body to the middle of the field throw to um, end that game, put it on ice. Brock Purdy stepped up, made some really good late throws, specifically one on third and 10 to keep a drive alive and, and keep that game open for them. But Kyle Shanahan has proven that in the playoffs – he is just not the same guy. The 49ers are just not the same team. And it feels like the Lions are just, they have momentum. They have that maybe that that side of destiny um, along with them. And yeah, they're going into San Fran, but they feel like they've got it rolling. They are also a team that can stop the run. What do you need to do to be able to stop San Fran? You have to be able to stop the run. You have to make them a pass-first offense. You have to make Brock Purdy be able to beat you with their arm with his arm. And if they can do that, like they've been able to do this season, I think they're going to be right in this game. I think they have a real chance to win it. Again, maybe that's my emotions talking, but I really do believe this Detroit team has the offensive firepower, the weapons, and if Jared Goff can get protected, they can get the play action going, and they can give him a little bit of time. He's got the weapons outside in Amon Ra, um, in Laporta. Jameer Gibbs out of the backfield is a lightning bolt. And he put that game on ice against the Bucks last week. And I think he's going to have a chance to have another big game this week. So they've got the weapons. They've got the formula. I think they have the makeup. And God, do I love Dan Campbell. He is not going to be afraid of this game. He's not going to change who he is. He will be the aggressive, insane at times play caller and, and risk taker that he's been. And that team embodies it. And, and I just, I love what I've seen out of Detroit. So seven and a half. I love that I get a touchdown. I think this could be a one-possession game. And again, I think Detroit has the chance to win this game outright. So plus seven and a half feels right to me. The Lions, let's do it, baby. Lead me to the promised land. Plus seven and a half. All right, Cody, we got a chance for a little sandwich here. We are on opposite sides, but uh, get your bread, get your utensils, you know, and take the crust off and have a nice little sando here because I'm going Patty B. What? Take, Take the, the crust, crust off. off. Just a minute ago, you, you were a child. Talking, he was talking about all the odds stacked against him his whole life, but he's eating PB and J with the crust cut off. <laughs> all right. To be fair, I don't think I've ever actually taken the crust off a sandwich. I was just cutting cut triangles, obviously, Cody. You know, it's the only way you like them. 
I was just trying to keep the sandwich <laughs> metaphor going. Shut up. <laughs> You're the king. Anyway. Carry on. Uh, same game parlay here because I don't like that spread. I don't like the seven and the hook. Um, I am a 49ers backer here, but that is a lot of points, so I don't blame you for taking Detroit plus seven and a half. What I like is the 49ers money line, and a lot of people think there might be a lot of points. I mean, the over-under is 50, 51 and a half. It's actually, I think, gone up. I think it opened at 50 and a half or 51. Um, I actually kind of like the under. I'm going to get a couple points up here so that I get a nice little cushion, 49ers money line, and under 56 and a half here. And I mostly like the under just because I don't think Detroit is going to be able to put up a lot of points here, right? If you think Detroit wins, maybe you think the over because their secondary has been terrible this year. So you almost know that the the Niners are going to score points. So if you do like the Lions, if you are like Cody and you want to get a little extra value, you want to get a little greedy here, Niners, uh, Lions plus seven and a half and just the over by itself, not a bad play. I'm not going to blame you for taking that. But what I think hits... 99 times out of 100, what I'm mostly confident in here is that it's the 49ers money line and that the Lions, if the Niners do win, the Lions are going to have a tough time scoring. Um, So 49ers money line under 56 and a half, that's minus 115. The 49ers, if they are smart, if Kyle Shanahan is smart, which he is for the most part, postseason, maybe he feels the pressure, but he's 5-0 at home uh, as a favorite. 5-0 as a favorite in the playoffs, 5-0 at home in the playoffs. So... Yeah, they've got the home field advantage. They've got the advantage on the offensive line. They've got the advantage in the trenches. Um, and they're just a better all-around football team. So if the 49ers are smart, they're going to run the football. They're going to try to chew up clock. And they're going to want to keep the ball out of Jared Goff in this offense's hands. Right? Debo Samuel, the biggest question mark going into this weekend. The shoulder injury, limited at practice Thursday. He's going to suit up. He's going to play. That's a given. Is In my opinion, it's a given. Is he going to be anywhere near 100%? That is up to you. That is up to what you think you know about Debo Samuel. The guy's a fucking warrior. So I know he is going to try to play. You know, does he carry the ball or on his first catch? Does he get hit hard? You know, Detroit's going to be coming after him, trying to crack that shoulder in half. Does he get re-injured and leave the game early? That's part of the gamble, right? So I think Debo's playing. I am... Confident that he is going to be able to be a somewhat effective presence in this game. So with Debo, we know how dangerous San Francisco is. Are they going to run it with him a lot? Probably not. But you're going to see Christian McCaffrey, I think, rack up close to maybe 20 carries in this game on Sunday night. And that is going to allow Brock Purdy to be lethal off that play action. If Brock Purdy's got to sit back and throw the ball 30 times, I mean, we've seen that story when they're behind. That's why they're not great trying to come back. It was, it was, they're one in 34 now, I think, when trailing, entering the fourth quarter under Shanahan. And the comeback was against the Packers. So, but the fact that they're going to have a lot of success running the football against the Lions is going to set up that play action. It's going to set up George Kittle. It's going to set up Brandon Ayuk, who, if you do think Samuel Debo is limited in this game, Brandon Ayuk's receiving yards have continued to go up. 80 and a half still might be too small for this shambolic Lions secondary. The Niners are going to put up points. And again, if they play this smart and their defense is good enough, right? Like, it's not like they're going to have, it's not like the Lions are going to be marching down the field left and right. The Lions are good. Goff has been great. You don't have to worry about the indoors versus outdoors Jared Goff because it's supposed to be pretty nice weather in Santa Clara. Um, But the Lion, the, the 49ers defense is arguably the best unit on this field on Sunday. Um, and with how bad the Lions secondary is, I just see that's where the disadvantage is. And obviously the bookmakers think the same with the seven and a half. So I'm not worried about the Niners losing, but I'm just giving more so my justification here on the under 56 and a half. I think the Niners control the time of possession, 36, 37 minutes maybe on the ball. And I think that really takes away the opportunity for golf and this Lions offense to get in rhythm. I think the Niners have the athleticism to deal with the lethal weapon that is Jameer Gibbs. I think they have the secondary to stop the yak yards of Amon Ross St. Brown. And Sam Laporta, I, I still don't think he's 100%. So I don't think he has the, the chance to really shred the Niners linebackers. And even then, we've seen Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw Although not the best pass cover, you know, receiver covers themselves, they have big play ability in them on any given play, interception, fumble. 
I think they get it. I think they win the turnover battle here. So 49ers money line. And I just don't see the Lions getting past 24 points in this game. So Niners money line under 56 and a half. I like the sandwich crust or no crust. I'm, I'm for it. I'm for it. And I'm not going to get to that game just yet. I'm going to hold that for my third pick because for my second pick, I'm sticking with the Ravens and Chiefs game. I'm going with a single leg player prop here. And I got to be honest now, when I went for a specific player prop to see what it was at, it is not available. And I was a little upset about that because the guy has been playing great. My guy deserves to be on the list let alone who's coming back or who's not coming back. We got Isaiah likely out here, likely to go off again because he's been, and he doesn't have a line on DraftKings for his receiving prop. What's going on over here? That's what I'm saying first and foremost. You look through DraftKings and Isaiah likely is not on the list. All right, I'll, I'll pivot. I think that's a little crazy. I didn't have time to cross-reference all the books. I'm sure he's somewhere, what? but he doesn't have a line. I think it's... Yeah, I think it's because of what, you know, Mark Andrews, I think they th- he's pretty much going to play, but I think the books are trying to get a gauge of what his status is going to be. has a line? Mark Andrews has a line, and it's 35 and go. a half, Pat. There you so, go. But, but like, so basically they're holding Isaiah Likely off the line because it's going to be a huge difference whether Mark Andrews is playing or not. If he's not playing, his line might be 45 and a half or 55 and a half. If he is, well, maybe not 55, but 45 and a half. If he is playing, then Isaiah Likely's line might be 20. That's what I was trying to take advantage of. Yes, I found it on FanDuel. Where is it? Isaiah Likely is at 21 and a half minus 110. Good call, Pete. Okay. My hands are up. My hands are tied. I had another pick. I already, I already pivoted. I already made a new decision. What do I I'm do? Do I go with the likely? Oh my God. You're icing the kicker. Timeout. <laughs> Timeout. But no, what were, you so, hope, what were you hoping likely was going to be? Around that, around 20, 21 and a half. Well, I was going to say 20 was my guess, right? So I'm pretty close. 21 and a half. I think that's a great play. And because I just talked myself into something else already, I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to take the likely bet. I'm going to stick with my guns and I'm going to take Odell Beckham over 19 and a half receiving yards, a low number. You might ask, why is it so low? Well, in his past couple games, in the playoff game most recently, one target, one catch, 12 yards, 33 yards, 13 yards, 14 yards. Then he had 97, 34, 116, 40, 56, 49, 34. So my guy's been putting up some numbers this year, and we know he has what it takes. Now, part of this uh, reasoning behind Odell Beckham over 19 and a half is twofold. One, if Mark Andrews is back, great. So what that's going to do with Mark Andrews and Zay Flowers being the points of contention is going to allow Odell Beckham to run free a little bit. And what also happened in that Chiefs-Bills game just last week, the Bills receivers dropped multiple passes down the field that would have gotten the over 19.5 in one chunk. We know it happened in big moments. Three balls down the field that Josh Allen put in very catchable positions. I think Odell Beckham's going to make that big play. I think he's going to show up in this game. I liken it back to when he was on the Los Angeles Rams and Cooper Cup was having the year of all time. And Odell Beckham still in those playoffs, showing up, making big plays, being reliable, making some plays after the catch. I trust Odell. And I think he's at the point in his career that when, you know, the game's getting out of hand, he's not going in there saying, yo, I need the ball, I need the ball, I need the ball. He's past that. He's not that guy. However, they're going to need him to need the ball in this matchup a little bit. And I think that number is perfect. I think it's beautiful. I think he only needs two or three catches to get there. He probably only needs one. So 19 and a half for Odell Beckham with the focus being on flowers, maybe on Mark Andrews, maybe on Isaiah likely. I think Odell ends up with five or six targets and possibly a big game of 50, 60 yards, but we got the number at 19 and a half and I'm hitting that all day. So Isaiah likely's number might be 21 and a half. I'm not going to fray. I'm going to stick with my secondary gut, which is OBJ over 19 and a half. Minus 120, by the way. All right. I got a player prop for you, too, because there ain't much else to pick from. So um, not going to be too much to go into it. I'm going Jameer Gibbs over 76 and a half rushing and receiving yards. Um, And something I, I kind of have done and 
somewhat typically do is when I feel confident in a guy like a Jameer Gibbs, similar if you had like a, a Christian McCaffrey, I like to combine the rushing and receiving because sometimes you don't know where it's going to come from. I know I think he's going to have a big game, but he could have a 50-yard reception and that does nothing for my rushing yards if I just took that or vice versa. So I do somewhat similar when it comes to uh, NBA player props. I like to have everything encompassing, like a points, rebounds, assists, rather than just the points because I'm saying I think this guy's having a big game. That's what I think Jameer Gibbs. He's lightning in the bottle. Um, yeah, the, the Niners are the type of team, especially with Fred Warner, that has the speed and the athleticism to keep up with Jameer Gibbs, and I understand all that. But he just has some other level. He has this speed, this burst, and he seems to find open space just about once a game. It feels like watching Saquon's rookie year where – at least once a game, he's going to break one off for a big one. And again, I don't know if it's going to be in the receiving game. I don't know if it's going to be in the rushing game. That's why I want to combine them and have a bit of a bigger number, but I have two chances to get those big type of yards. So um, in a game that, look, 50 and a half, 51 and a half, they're saying they think this is going to be a little bit of a track meet, a little bit of a back and forth and, and a higher scoring game. Um I think Jameer Gibbs is going to be right in the thick of it. And if Pat's right and maybe the the bookmakers are right and the, the Niners are going to cover that spread, well, in order to get back into the game, there might be some of those dink and dunk passes, and those could go to Jameer Gibbs. There could be a screen or two. So, again, I like combining it. He's done it a lot on the ground, but we've seen him do it in through the air as well. Over 76 and a half, that line moved a yard on me. So, again, sharp side, minus 115. That's my third pick. Third pick for me, also a player prop. I'm going with the guy that I'm backing on Sunday at 3 o'clock, and that is Patty Mahomes, and I'm taking his rushing yards over 26 and a half here. You can find that on DraftKings at minus 115 odds right now, late Thursday night. Um, look, if the Chiefs are the underdog and they're going to have to play from behind or Mahomes is going to have to make some heroic plays, what does he do? He's going to do it with his legs, right? Especially if his receivers are having a tough time getting open and there's a big third down, you know Mahomes is looking to run, right? It's not something he normally does during the regular season or he'll do it in a big game in the regular season. But come playoff time, Mahomes will run as frequently as a Josh Allen's, as a Lamar, right? There is playoff games where Mahomes has run it eight, nine times. So I'm just going to give you the cold, hard facts here. Anytime Mahomes has run for 27 or more rushing yards, which would win this bet on Sunday, since 2019, the year that he went to his first Super Bowl, that year in the playoffs, 53, 53, 29, three for three. 2020, 14 against Cleveland. Remember, he got hurt in that game. That was the game he got concussed. Uh, five against the Bills, 33 in the Super Bowl against the Bucks. So four out of six so far. 2021, Steelers 29, Bills 69, nice. Bengals 19. So that is six out of nine so far. Double nice. 2022, eight against the Jags, eight against the Bengals, 44 in the Super Bowl against the Eagles. So if my math is mathing, that is 7 out of 12, and then this year, 41 against the Dolphins, 19 against the Bills. 8 out of 14, so 8 and 6, if you will. And again, I just think the way that this Ravens defense, how they have played, where it might be a struggle at times to run the ball straight up the middle or the way that they want to run it with Pacheco, they're going to have to throw a lot, and if the Ravens are bringing blitzes after Mahomes, or like you said, Cody, those simulated pressures, but he's under pressure, and MVS isn't getting open, and Rashi Rice is, is getting shut down by Humphrey, and Kelsey maybe gets off to a slow start. Again, you could get this in three carries. Mahomes needs like one 17, 18-yard run where he just makes a Mahomes magic play where you know it can happen. It's happened so many times. You know, again, he gets one carry for 17, 18 yards, one big play, and this is going to hit with two other carries. And so far in this playoffs alone, he ran it two times against Miami. One of those was a uh, was a huge one, right? Two times for 41 yards. I was trying to find really quickly what that, that longest rush was. But two for 41, and then he ran it six times against Buffalo. Not the same success, but again, he runs the ball way more in the playoffs than he does in the regular season. So I like Mahomes here. He needs 27 rushing yards against this Ravens defense. I think you see some Mahomes magic. I can already hear Romo and Nance 
with Romo going, ooh, yeah, Jim, uh, Mahomes, uh. on a replay where Mahomes breaks one for 20. Fatty Mahomes over 26 and a half rushing yards. Oh, Jim. Oh, let me tell you, Jim. Jim. Oh, Jim. Pat, I like that pick a they lot. Are, they are terrible. Pick. Yeah, not great right now, Jim, but that's okay. You know, we're still going to have fun watching that game. I actually, I had that page up. So as you're reading through the game log for Patty Mahomes postseason, I was following right along because I was considering taking that as well. I almost think the closer the game is, the more likely he will be to take off. So you almost need like a closest game because if they're up by two touchdowns, he ain't doing that, right? But they, they also haven't been the type of team, especially this year, to dominate somebody like that. So, you know, we'll see what happens uh, on, on Sunday, but I'm not going to take that pick. My final pick is going to be a, a Shen Lugan special here. It's three legs. This might be my first time all season, and I hate it already. I really dis- I dislike it a lot, but here we go. Three legs, minus 120. San Francisco 49ers, minus two and a half. And then Brandon Ayuk, 50-plus receiving yards. Amon Ross St. Brown, 50-plus receiving yards. It's minus 120. The reason behind this pick, it feels stupid. I hate saying it out loud. I don't like it at all. But the reason behind this pick is I like the Niners to win. I think this is a Super Bowl of destiny where the two best teams make it to the Super Bowl. And we have this face-off that we've been talking about basically since November, but definitely all December and beyond. So I think the Niners win this game. Couldn't get it down to a money line completely with the numbers I like there. Two and a half feels right to me. I think this is at best a field goal game for the Lions here. But I do love the Niners to win this game. That seven and a half was just a bit scary with how the Niners actually did come back against the Packers and played a different game from what we're used to seeing, perhaps because of some of the moxie that Purdy has, despite some of the uh, all-time skills that he doesn't possess. Amon Ross St. Brown to me, 50-plus. He is a receiver that I look at as a little bit scheme-proof, and that's not because he's the most talented receiver in the NFL. It's not because he's more physical than every defensive back that he plays, but it has to do with how the Lions utilize him. He had 14 targets against Tampa Bay. He had eight catches, 14 targets. We know what he's done all year. This guy gets peppered. He is the safety blanket for Jared Goff. He is the go-to guy all game long, and he doesn't stop. He's not going to stop now. So that's why I say he's a little bit scheme-proof in my eyes. What would scare me from the full, I think it's 78 and a half or something like that for Amon Ross St. Brown as his regular total, is Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw being the best middle of the linebacker uh, middle-of-the-field linebacker cover guys in the NFL. But again, I think Amon Ra St. Brown is scheme-proof because even if a team will slow him down, you can't shut him down based on the usage, based on the target share. He's going to get peppered like he has all year, and that'll get him to 50-plus. Brandon Ayuk is the sneaky, you know, unsung hero. I mean, he gets some credit this year, and he has in years past. But to me, still, he doesn't get as much love as McCaffrey, Debo, or Kittle. Ayuk is rock solid. Ayuk is so steady. He has great hands. He makes big plays 50 plus his numbers at 80 and a half right now for his straight up over under. So you combine the Amon Ra down to 50 plus Brandon Ayuk at 50 plus and the Niners at minus two and a half at minus 120. I really feel wonderful about it. So what Cody said before, what Cody said before about the Lions defensive backfield still being a bit of a weakness. I think Ayuk can take advantage of that, whether Debo's in or out, whether Kittle's in or out, he will be relied upon. He will make big plays. We saw Purdy go to him late in that game when it mattered most against Green Bay. So I, I do like all the legs in this pick. I just feel like a coward for taking a three-pick same-game parlay at minus 120. But that's what happens in conference championship week. You got to be creative, and that's what I got here. That's my final pick. That's all we got. Three picks apiece for the boys. Fellas, for the any last record, words? Pete, yeah, real quick, but between I was between Gibbs rushing receiving and Amon Ra over seven and a half catches. So at least on that leg, I'm in lockstep with you. That guy seems to have just everything in his radius seems to be caught by him. He's got unbelievable hands. Not saying he is this guy, but he somewhat reminds me of Larry Fitzgerald in the way that he's just it yeah. feels like if the ball's in his vicinity, it will be caught. I, I love Amon Ra. I love everything he's done this year. And and they throw it to him all over the place, right? Like, he doesn't need a big catch to get to 50 yards. Like, he will have a catch at two yards down the field, a catch behind the line of scrimmage, a 10-yard out, a seven-yard slant. Like, he will be everywhere. So you, you can't account for that 
when he is going to get targeted. Like he's no matter what happens in the Lions game plan, unless Darrell Revis comes out of retirement and shadows him across the field, which I don't even think Darrell Revis did that, right? He stayed on one side for the most part, but you get the point. Like Amon Ra will get his targets. Agreed. Patty B, and that's why I words? thought receptions over yards. Broncos right. country. Let's ride. Let's ride. Let's ride. I like that's the double it. knife. That's all I got, baby. I'm ready. Good. I'm ready to rock and roll this weekend. All right, let's go. I'll be at the fan overnight, Saturday into Sunday. So if you're up at 3 a.m. for some reason, call up, say what's up to me, and then I'll put you online to talk to whoever's hosting. I don't even know who's hosting, but it's all good. We'll have some fun talking football before conference championship week. Patty B, you on the, you on air any any time this weekend? I am. I will actually be making a hosting debut for uh, our betting network at Odyssey, BetQL. I'm hosting Sunday, 1 to 5. So all these, uh, you know, my sub-500 record here for Subway Sports Talk got the attention of somebody. Um, But yeah, 1 to 5, BetQL. You can listen on the Odyssey app or BetQL on Twitch and I think YouTube as well, but definitely Twitch and uh, the Odyssey app. So we'll be talking, obviously, all the plays um, I'll have a lot of small plays as well for both the AFC and NFC championship games. And then it goes till five. So we'll have some live action as well. If you're, you know, if the game starts out and the Ravens get up big and you want to maybe look at a way to live bet the chiefs or live bet the total or live bet somebody's prop. Um, we'll have you covered till five o'clock Eastern. I love it. Hell yeah. I look forward to it. I'll be having you on my computer right next to my TV screen. I can't wait. Patty B, Cody O'Connor. We'll get March and Lugan's pick on social media. Uh, hit us at social media, at Subway Sports Talk, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. You know what to do there. Subscribe, rate, review. We appreciate you. Got some good uh, good viewership and love on the YouTube video for my Knicks episode this week, which was surprising but lovely. So appreciate all y'all who tuned in on YouTube there. Don't forget about your podcast app, subscribe, rate, review, and we'll be back next week. And next week is uh, Super Bowl week. Well, week before Super Bowl week. So probably won't really talk any football. Maybe a little recap um, on the Wednesday episode, but probably talk some hoops. Look forward to that. And then obviously the week following, we'll lock in on the props and the plays for Super Bowl week, and we'll have a lot of fun uh, doing all that stuff. So thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Enjoy your conference championship week. Another one of those great weekends in the year of sports. So cheers.